Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. Today, I'm pleased to bring you the second half of my conversation with Andrew's mom, Teresa Davis. If you missed last week's episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it to hear the first part of our chat and how God allowed her to lament through the first 37 chapters of Job and then met her there in the 38th chapter. You really don't want to miss that. Today's episode builds on that as we discuss her recently published book, Finding Hope and Healing in the Midst of Grief, a Devotional for the Brokenhearted. We're going to pick up our conversation right where we left off last week. So, Teresa, the title of your book is Finding Hope and Healing in the Midst of Grief, a Devotional for the Brokenhearted. What made you uh, decide to go with a devotional format when you first began thinking about writing a book? Well, that that's a, that is a great question because... You know, when I began my journey of questioning, I call it my spiritual journey. Because the God that I knew before we lost Andrew is not the God that I know now. I thought I knew God. I had taught his word my whole life. I thought I knew him. And one of the things I would say to God when I was angry, I'm like, I, who are you? I don't know you. I don't know this God. And he began to do a work in me that was spiritual. He pulled me inside of his inner sanctuary. One, one of the verses that has just been so comforting to me is Hebrews 6.19. He says, he says this, this hope that we have, is trustworthy and true. And when we approach the throne of God, He pulls us through the curtain. Remember the curtain that was rent into when ripped yes. into when Jesus died? He pulls us through that curtain inside his inner sanctuary. And that's where he pulled me, Jill. He pulled me there and he said, Stay here with me. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to build a fortress around you and I'm going to teach you things that your mind did not understand before. And, and, and in that journey, you know, I would, it, it, I, I would, uh, uh, when I got able to, I would go outside and, and walk, you know, you know how it is in the beginning of your journey. You, you can't even hardly brush your teeth, right. much less anything else. But I would, he would speak to me when I would be out on these walks because I would listen to praise music. Praise music opens the heavens, Jill. It opens the heavens. And he would he would speak to me. And one of the things that I heard, he would just flood my mind with these things. And one of the things I heard one day in my spirit, he said, write it down. Mm-hmm. Write it down. And so I thought <laughs> he wanted me to write a book about everything that I've been talking to you about. But as time went on, that's not what he wanted. He wanted me to record the spiritual journey that he was taking me on. You know, this 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 thing that I wrote, um, I kind of shared a little bit with you about this earlier. It's like, it was like my love letter back to God. He opened my eyes and he flooded with my mind and my heart with his truth in a way that I'd never seen before. 
And when I put it on paper, it was like it was a love letter that I was writing back to him, confirming the things that he had shown me in his word. And it was precious. It was like a masterpiece to me because it was so intimate um, that I never even considered that somebody would read it because it was so personal because it was me and him. It was me and and Jesus on this journey that he was taking me on. And he, you know, he, he, he gives us what we can handle right. in the moment. And so he would show me something and then he would build on that. And then he would show me something else. And so it was, it was the spiritual journey that he took me on. And, and then I just, I began to write it down. I just began to write it down. And then the more I wrote, the more that came. I really can't explain it. I, I just, I just know that he, he put, he put these topics in my head, um, and he, he gave me the scripture that he wanted to go with it, and that's how it turned into a devotion. Well, and I wish we had time to go through every single one of those thirty days and discuss some of those topics you just shared. But I'm just going to hit on a few of them, things that seem to come up a lot as we visit with parents at our while we're waiting weekends. Um. You said that as you worked through your grief, God began to open your eyes to some things. And one of those is that he showed you that Andrew was not alone the day when his plane fell out of the sky. Um, Many of the parents we meet grieve deeply over the thought that their children were all alone at the time of their death. What would you say to those parents? In the beginning of my journey, my view of what happened was that Andrew fell out of the sky and God turned his back on him. He walked away. In my journey of seeking God for answers, I began to see a compassionate side of God in that visual that I had in my head. You know, the song, The Blessing by Elevation, I remember when I first heard the words of that song, I came home, I was on a walk, I came home, I got my Bible out, and I looked up those scriptures, and I read, I read it in every version that I could find. And that scripture talks about how um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. He took the vision that I had in my head of Andrew falling out of the sky alone. He took that vision through that scripture and he showed me that he was in that cockpit with Andrew. And that he was showering him with peace. And that when Andrew turned and saw the face of God, the light that embodied him and God gripping him in his arms, carrying him home, whole. Do you remember, you know, how tragic the accident was? Carrying him in his arms, whole, while looking at him as he had him cradled in his arms, while the light of his face shone upon Andrew, the peace that flooded Andrew at that moment was supernatural and he was no longer a part of this world. Mm -hmm. It was one of the most dramatic visuals that he gave me because I was tormented 
by the the vision that I had in my head of the way Andrew dies. When he took that scripture and he showed me his compassion that he had for Andrew and he showed me that he was cradling him in his arms and took him home, it, it changed everything. Absolutely. I no longer see, I, I no longer saw him as this person who all I could see was God's back. When I would see Andrew falling out of the sky, all I would see was God's back. This scripture took that visual and made it into what God wanted me to see, the truth, that he was cradling Andrew and that when he turned his face toward Andrew, man, you know, Andrew was no longer of this world anymore. And he was not alone and he was never alone because, you know, the scripture tells us that he will never leave us or forsake us. And in a couple places, in Hebrews 13, 5 and uh, Deuteronomy 31, 6, he says, do not be afraid for I am your God. And I will be with you wherever you go. I will never leave you or forsake you. And he was a believer and he was sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit and his security was guaranteed. So there is no doubt in my mind, if he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, then he was right there in that cockpit with Andrew the whole way. And and I want to share something with you, Jill, because um, we just recently got the CBR report. Uh, for those that don't know anything about aviation, a CBR report is a cockpit voice recorder. So Andrew's last words were recorded. That was just released a few months ago. And um, it was very painful. We couldn't hear his last words, but we read them. They won't allow us to hear them, but we read them. And one of the last things that Andrew said in the cockpit six seconds before his plane hit the ground was a mayday call. Now, that's protocol for a pilot. But if you know you're going to die and you're you're falling out of the sky 10,000 feet a minute and you have the wherewithal to give a mayday call, and it wasn't a short mayday call. He said the whole mayday call, mayday, 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 525 Echo Golf is an emergency descent, unable to gain control of the aircraft. While the GPS in the plane was shouting, terrain, 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 he knew he was going to die, yet he had the composure to do what he did. That is nothing but God. And that confirmed to me what he showed me in the very beginning of my journey when he gave me this revelation in, in Numbers, that he was with him, and he was cradling him, and he was shining his face on Andrew and giving him peace. When we got that CDR report, I got down on my knees right here in this office, and I thanked God because that was a confirmation to me. There's no way that he had that composure unless, unless the presence of the Holy Spirit was right there with him in that cockpit. That was such a blessing to me. Um, to, it confirmed. It confirmed to me in black and white what God had shown me. And it was such a blessing. What a beautiful thought. And I know you sharing this is such a comfort to those moms and dads who were not able to be with their child as they died. Uh, because there are so many. And what a beautiful thought to know that they were not alone. 
they were not alone. Um, it's very reassuring. So thank you so much for sharing that story. And I love, I remember you talking about that at the retreat, how about that final May Day call and how, you know, apparently it was very calm and there was, there didn't seem to be any fear <laughs> because he knew he was safe and he knew he was not alone. I mean, to me, it, it, how personal, Jill, it, you know, when, when we grieve as parents, we want to know that God sees us. You know, yes. it's so lonely and it's so scary and it's so unfamiliar and it's so isolating. We want to know that the God of the universe has not left us. We want to know that his eyes see us. We want that acknowledgement. And when he gave me that vision through the, that scripture and then confirmed it with that report, the intimacy of our Heavenly Father is beyond anything that we on this earth can really come. Him. Um, That's right. It's it's beyond anything that we can ask or imagine. It really is. Absolutely. So after the loss of a child, we often see things in the Word of God that we never saw before. It's almost like we read it through a whole new set of lenses. And in your book, you describe how the 23rd Psalm came to life for you in a very new and vivid way after Andrew went to heaven. And you spend time going through it almost line by line over, over a couple of your devotional entries. Would you share with us just some of the insights that God gave you as you studied that 23rd Psalm with, with brand new eyes? You know, I love it when God takes a piece of scripture that you have read your entire life and it's so familiar, yes. it's lost its impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I read the 23rd Psalm, I was so intrigued. I picked up a commentary and, uh, and, and I went online and I started Googling. And, you know, it, it's important to point out that when David wrote the Psalm, he had been through many trials. He had experienced, you know, we're talking about David. You know, we're, we're talking about a, a man who had, God had miraculously saved over and over and over. But, you know, his training, his time of learning was spent in a field with sheep. Mm -hmm. That's right. Nobody could understand the concept of a shepherd better than David. Because he had right. lived it. And when you when you read about sheep and how you know how uh, how much they need a leader and how intimately a shepherd knows their sheep, they know the sound of each one. They often it was when I was reading some commentaries, I remember saying hearing that, you know, they have names. They, they'll name their sheep because they know them by their sound. They know them by their cry. And David knew what a true shepherd was. And so when I began to read through the psalm, you know, he said, you are my shepherd, not just any shepherd. He was David's shepherd. It was so much more personal, the meat of it. Um, was so much more personal. And, and, he, and he talked about the sheep um, 
And you know, sheep, they'll wander off. They get caught up into thickets. They, they get confused. How, how better of a description for us that grieve? You know, where you seek your comfort from when you're grieving is very important. Yes. You know, I've been a Christian since I was 10 years old. But when the rug was jerked out from underneath of me, it rattled me to my core. Yes. So can you imagine someone that may not have as strong a rooted in faith? You know, it's it's easy to get pulled away because you're confused. You're dazed. You're just like these sheep. You know, we can wander off into a thick again and get so tangled up in our grief that we might not find our way back. And you know, in the comfort that David describes in the Psalms, he leads us in green pastures. And just that imagery is such an image of comfort that God brings to those that he loves. And when I read through, when I read through all of that, it just, you know, when you're grieving, it's exhausting. That yes. there's there's a heaviness that comes with grief that can't really be described in human words unless you've lived it. And that heaviness, you need you're exhausted and you need rest from it. And when you read through that twenty third song, it is so inviting. It just makes me want to grab a pillow and go lay down in the meadow. Uh, and, and just listen for God to walk by. You know, that's the visual of his, that his presence brings upon us. And, you know, when he talks about the valley of the shadow of death, I read that over and over and over. And, you know, in my research, the, the valley of the shadow of death is a real place. It's a very narrow place that's been called the shadow of death because the terrain is so rugged that you can lose your life on it. And he talked about, the valley of the shadow of death that God leaves us through. We can't make it on our own. And the fact that there's a shadow, you can't have a shadow without light. That's right. And I don't know why that had never hit me before. But when I read that, because you know so often in our grief, we don't feel God's presence. We, we don't feel him. Our grief clouds it out. That's right. We can't see him and we can't feel him. But that doesn't mean he's not there. In that valley, there is a shadow because he is in the valley with us to help us to get to the other side. Uh, So, yes, it took on a whole new meaning for me. Um, I felt the presence in in much more in an intimate way when I read through the 23rd Psalm of the Eyes of Grief. Yeah, yeah, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Changes everything, that's for sure. You have one devotional titled, Let the Tears Fall. And you said that when you cry, you rarely wipe away your tears. Talk about that. You know, I've always been that way. Uh, and because to me, it's an act of worship. Mm-hmm. When we worship, it, it, it literally opens up the heavens. Because, you know, that's what our children are doing. And those that have lost others, that's what they do in heaven. It is constantly, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to is to come. That's what the angels are constantly praising Jesus. That's what our loved ones are doing right now, this very minute. So when I'm praising the Lord, I am in communion with my son, because that's what he's doing day and night. 
And when I'm praising the Lord and the tears fall down my cheeks, to me, it is an act of worship because God sees every tear that falls. Mm -hmm. He is right there with the brokenhearted. And I want him to see my tears because it's an act of worship, because it says to him, I can't do this on my own. I need you, Lord. I am way out of my comfort zone. And there's nothing about this that I can handle on my own. So when those tears fall, my daughter said to me one day, Mama, wipe your tears. I'm like, no, just let them fall. You know, and they'll drip off my chin and they'll run down my neck. And it, for me, I turn my face toward Jesus when I'm praising the Lord and I just let those tears run down my cheeks because he sees them and he in that that to me mean he is right there with me in my suffering when those tears fall. I love that description. One of your devotional days is based on Psalm 131 verses 1 and 2a which says How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrows in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? David asks God how long four times in those verses. Our ministry is called While We're Waiting, and sometimes it feels like the wait is so very, very long. Talk about what we can be doing while we're waiting. In the scripture, Jill, the scripture tells us that we as Christians suffer so that we might help those that suffer. Mm -hmm. When we are grieving, it is very natural to turn inward. All of us do. It is survival mode. When you lose a child, it is it is devastating, and it takes a while to work through that grief. And this is what God has shown me. He gave me that time and that space. He was so gracious to me. He allowed me 37 chapters of lamenting before he ever said a word to me that would say, it's time, Teresa. And in our suffering, we have been called to help those that suffer. When we're waiting, if we stay in the valley of the shadow of death, if we do not seek counsel, if we allow ourselves to stay in the valley, it prohibits us from God walking with us the other side. While we are waiting, I believe that we are called to share what the Lord has shown us in our grief journeys because God is intimate and very personal. So every one of us have different stories. We all have different journeys. Where we were when our child died, where it took us and where we are now. I believe in the waiting. God very much wants us to share what he has taught us along the way to help those. You know, the Bible says, woe is the man who is by himself. Because if he falls, there is no one to help him up. Right. And that's what 
we are called to do, Jill, as Christians. We are to walk alongside those in the waiting to help each other make the journey. We cannot do it alone. Community is where God wants us. And, you know, I've heard, I've often had people say, well, I need some time alone. And I get that because I am not an extrovert. I'm an introvert Mm -hmm. and I am recharged in time alone, Mm -hmm. especially time alone with Jesus. So I'm not speaking of not alleviating that, but I'm speaking about we are supposed to live out our suffering in community with one another because otherwise we who is going to help us we you know we need people to be Jesus to us in our suffering there was such an outpouring of love I don't know where we would be without it had we not had the community support that we did our church body that's why it's so important to be a part of a church body because in the waiting, you know, Paul, Paul tells us, uh, you know what? If I die today while I am doing what God has called me to do, praise God, because I'm going to be in his presence. But if I'm still here tomorrow, I'm going to still be doing what you called me to do. And I'm still going to be bringing glory to your name. And that's, right. that's, that's to me, is what we're called to do in the waiting. Exactly what while we are waiting ministry does you're coming alongside of those people and i've experienced being there with you guys and i will tell you that it has been one of the most blessed experiences there is nothing like being in a room full of people who get it we people come from all over the corners of the earth when you're in a room with people that's gone through what you've gone through there's a community there, and the Holy Spirit connects you in a special way. And I believe that we are called as Christians to encourage one another, especially all the more as we see the day approaching, because we can't do it by ourselves. We are not meant to walk right. this road alone. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think because, you, because if you do walk it alone, it never ends. The journey, mm. the journey seems like it is going to walk you to your death because you cannot yeah. endure it alone. That's right. We, we need each other. Yes, yes. And there's, there's just something so special about when bereaved parents get together. The bond that forms is just incredible. And like you, I'm an introvert. But I can walk into a room of bereaved parents and feel right at home. And uh, I think that's something that's really special. And I think that's a gift that God gives us is people to walk alongside us in this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When Hannah was going through her year-long cancer journey, our motto that we put you know, in everything that we did was God is good all the time. And you talk in one of your devotional entries about the refrain of a Lauren Daigle song that says, I can't stop thinking about your goodness. And you said, you couldn't imagine how you would ever be able to speak the words, God is good again. How did you work through that? You know, I, I had, I, you know, God's, uh, God's plan is, is always right on time. The week before we lost Andrew, 
as I mentioned before, Erica had gone to, with the children, had gone to Chicago for her nephew's birthday. Andrew had stayed behind. They had they had a new home. Um, he had a lot of projects. It, I mean, it wasn't a brand new home. You know, it was a, you know, a home that they had purchased. He had a lot of projects that sure. needed done. And it's really hard to get that done with the littles underfoot. We were at his house on a Monday evening. And this was like the Monday, I believe, following Thanksgiving. So it was, you know, I was pretty on a pretty big high. And I was in his kitchen and I was washing his dishes. And he said, Mom, don't wash the dishes. And I said, Andrew, your wife washes the dishes every time she comes to my home. I'm not going to leave the sink full of dishes dirty for her when she comes home. And he and his dad were working on the furnace. Uh, and they left to go get a part. And I mean, I was just praising God. He let me borrow. I, I had never owned a pair of AirPods. And he let me borrow his. And I had the music on. And I had it cranked up and I was just praising God all over that house. And the song I remember by Lauren Daigle uh, was came on and she talks about how good God is. And, and I was, you know, my hands were in the air and I was stomping around and I was just praising God for how good he was. And Friday was Andrew's last day on this earth. And I, I don't, rem- I actually don't remember when God brought that to my remembrance because he said to me, if I was good then, am I not good now? And it was, it was an eye-opening experience for me because somehow in my Christian walk, I had come to this belief that God was only good if I was good. And I don't know where I got that messed up, Jill. I, I don't know where in my, I didn't intentionally take that in as a belief, but internally, I believed that, that God was good. When life was going good, God was good. And that song has been such, because he brought to my remembrance, Remember that night in Andrew and Erica's living room when you were praising me because of how good I had been to you. I'm that same God. And he taught me that in times of suffering, we must remember the goodness of God. We so easily forget the first time we hit our toe on a rock, we forget how good God has been to us in our life. And that lyrics to that song, my daughter had printed for me. And it's huge. And it hangs above my bed. So that when I go to bed every night, I see those words. I remember. I remember how good God is all the time. Even if I have tears streaming down my face. I can say, yes, God, you are good all the time. That's right. Even when it doesn't yeah. feel good, even when it doesn't look That's good, right. even when you can't see the good. Yeah. He is still good, and we have to remember. We can't forget. Amen. 
Your day 24 devotional is titled The Burl Knot. Now, what in the world is that all about? Well, uh, it's it's the most fascinating thing. Uh, I learned something from my husband, which I do learn frequently from my husband, but he and I were on a hike and we were in the woods. We feel very close to God and Andrew when we're in the woods because he, he hiked he loved nature so much, and we camped a lot when the kids were growing up because that was the only way we could really afford to travel. So we spent a lot of time outdoors, and Tony and I were hiking, and we walked past this tree, and it was a normal-looking tree, but it had this huge, big blurb on the side of it, you know, but this big, huge uh, knot, uh, kind of a twisty-looking weird thing. But it was all part of the bark. I mean, it looked like it belonged there, but it looked like, you know, a big bubble, like somebody blew a water balloon and stuck it on the side. And I stopped and I said, what is that? And Tony has a lot of background in wood. And he said, well, that's a burl knot. I said, well, what is a burl knot? And he said, well, when a tree gets infected from fungus or infestations, it will bubble up like that as it heals and it will, it will heal itself and form that knot around the tree. So when I got home, I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to look this up because I've never heard of anything like this. And it turns out that when a tree gets damaged, uh, normally uh, when a tree, the, the grain in the tree runs straight or parallel Sure. When the burl knot forms, it's on the side of the tree. So as it heals, it kind of twists and turns and spirals. As it's healing and getting stronger, it takes on this beautiful, um, uh, just this beautiful visual of all of the grains all twisted and turned in a spiral way. And it's very valuable wood. It's very highly sought after by the furniture makers because of how beautiful it looks after it's healed. And I remember just talking to the Lord about that. And he just, he just showed me, he said, Teresa, he said, when that scar that forms, when you are wounded from your grief, that healing that I bring, it'll always be a part of you, but it's going to make you uniquely strong and when people you'll be highly sought after because people are going to see that unique strength and it will be highly sought after because they won't understand how that came to be and that's how you'll bring glory to me because I'm going to make you beautiful and uniquely strong through this journey and then you'll be able to share that with other people. And it, it, it was just kind of this, uh, it was just kind of a miraculous moment when he, he just let that sink inside of me. That as we heal, you know, we, we will have that scar, but it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be strong and unique and make us very useful in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. I love that. I will always think of that when I when I see a burl knot yes. now, because we're hikers too. Okay. You see those in the woods and now, you know, that's just something that I'm gonna think about. So and even when you see that, you know, sometimes you see that in furniture and things like that that's been done where you see there's just a like a twisted knot looking thing in the wood. Um so I love that visual. So thank you for that. 
Now, I know there are some moms and dads listening to this podcast right now who are in that dark and very scary place where you found yourself after Andrew's death. Their faith has been shaken to the core. They don't have any hope for the future. They can't imagine ever having any joy again. The thought of living the rest of their life without their child or their children is unbearable. Talk to those moms and dads right now. Joy was far from my lips when we lost Andrew. There there wasn't even a vision of hope that I could feel that I would ever be in a place where I could feel that joy again. But you know, having purpose in our life allows us to be in a place where we can seek God. And and by that I mean when when Andrew died, when any of our children die, we still have a vision of them as a human. Because that's who they were to us. They were human. Mm-hmm. They had flesh and blood and they lived here with us. And so all of our memories are centered around them being human. So we tend to continue to think of them as human. One of the things that the Lord showed me, you know, in Ecclesiastes, it tells us that dust returns to dust, but God retains the spirit. So that that is what is sealed with a promise that our spirit will never die. This body that we have, it's going to go away. And when our children die, the body goes away, but their spirit lives on. For me, I had to get to a place to where I had to stop thinking of Andrew as a human. And you might think, well, I don't want to do that because all my memories are shaped around him as a human. And I get that. And But Andrew is still alive. He's not dead. Mm-hmm. And that concept, the more the Lord showed me in Scripture what that meant, he no longer has a human body. He is spirit. He is still alive. He is with the Father. The scripture says that the spirit is retained by the Father. So he doesn't have a human mind anymore. He doesn't think in human ways anymore. He's not looking down on earth, looking down here and saying, oh, I'm missing this. I'm missing that. You know, our little Jack, um, our little Jack, uh, he's six and he just started kindergarten and his mom took him to school And she made a little video, you know, of him walking into the building. So my carnal side immediately thought, look what Andrew's missing. Of course, yeah. The Holy Spirit said to me, Andrew's not missing anything. Mm -hmm. Andrew doesn't have human thoughts. Andrew's not a human anymore. And he, he, he showed me right away. You know, be thankful. That little boy is walking into kindergarten with his head held high, with confidence, ready to face a challenge. That's a blessing. Yes. You know, he hasn't had his daddy for the last two and a half years. But he walked into that building with confidence that, hey, I'm on a new adventure. He had no idea what was behind those doors. Because, you know, with COVID, they wouldn't let her go in with him. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, that's the difference. I cannot continue to think about Andrew as as if he is still in a human body. 
Mm-hmm. As I have my memories, and, and I, those are treasures to me, and my memories will go with me forever, that Andrew is no longer human. Mm-hmm. He is spirit. He doesn't have a human mind. He doesn't have human thought. And another thing I wanted to say on this point is, you're not going to wake up one day in your grief and say, oh, I'm full of joy today. I'm so happy. <laughs> no. That's right. No. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. But as you work through your grief, as we said earlier, where you seek help for your grief is monumental. You know, one scripture that was very important to me, and and I memorized this scripture long ago, but it's so pertinent. It says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. When we grieve, the way I like to describe it is, I was stripped of my life. Nothing about my life now was what my life was before. I was stripped down to nothing but me and Jesus. And that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you make it or you don't. Yeah. The scripture says he alone is my rock and my salvation. I believe that we should use every resource we have available to us. You know, I personally, I've done grief share twice. I've gone to two bereaved parents um, retreats. I would highly recommend, you know, I'm not trying to plug while we were waiting, but uh, it is is beyond your imagination, the experience that you're going to have if you can get yourself to go. I know it's hard and I know it's painful, but you will be so glad that you did. I've had a tremendous amount of counseling. I've had a tremendous amount of work with trauma. I've had EMDR. I've had many types of therapies to help me with the trauma of how we lost Andrew. Mm -hmm. So I am not saying don't seek help, that resources that are available to you. However, I'm saying the core and the meat of that is you and Jesus. That's right. And I can't, you know, the Bible says that the fullness of joy comes in his presence. Joy, you know, happiness is something that is in a moment. Mm-hmm. You're happy for a moment. You, you'll laugh or you'll have, that's a moment. Joy is a state of being. Joy yes. is a state of well-being that says, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm fed, I've learned to be content. That key yes. word that Paul tells us, I've mm-hmm. learned. You know, one of the podcasts that I listened to, that young gal that we talked about that you interviewed, she talked about classrooms. Yes, classrooms. I loved how she talked about the classrooms of our grief. Because yes. Paul says, whether well-fed or hungry, I've learned mm-hmm. to be content. It's a process. When you're grieving and you're starting out in your journey, take all the time you need. Take all the time you need. Allow the Holy Spirit to lavish His love upon you. Allow people to feed into your life. Allow them to help you. Let your guard down. Be vulnerable. Allow people to love you. Spend time alone when you need it. But allow the love of Jesus to flood your life. Seek the help that you need. But the most important thing to do is to seek 
Jesus. His word is alive and full of everything we need. The scripture tells us you have everything you need. It's all right there. But it's not going to become a part of us until we actively make it a part of our life. And, and that's what I would say to grieving parents that think that you're not going to survive it. I get it. I did not. I thought I would die under the weight of it. I couldn't yeah. even breathe. I thought I would die under the weight of it. The key for me was to not look past today. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Andrew taught us while he was still with us is to live in the present. He was very good at it. Mm-hmm. I am not the type of person that can live in the present. I'm always thinking about the future. I'm a planner. I'm thinking about the next steps and the what ifs. And, oh, man, have I been stripped of that, Jill? Mm-hmm. His mercies are new every morning. He doesn't give us enough manna for tomorrow. That's right. I have learned to live today. I only have enough strength. When you're grieving, you are made keenly aware that you do not have enough strength sometimes even for the next hour, much less the next day. Mm -hmm. Rest in that with the Holy Spirit. Spend time with Jesus, even if all you can do is listen to the Bible app. Mm -hmm. Spend time with Jesus. Eventually you'll have a moment like I did where he'll make something jump off the page at you. And he'll take that and he'll, 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 he'll nourish that in your spirit and he'll mold that until it becomes a part of you. Mm-hmm. That's how we make it, Jill. Mm-hmm. We take his word and we make it a part of us. That's how he lives through us. That's the only way to make it through this journey. There is no other way. There is no other way. You're right. You're right. Thank you so much for that. What great great advice. Your book also includes a couple of bonus devotionals, one that was written by your daughter, Sarah, and one by your daughter-in-law, Erica, Andrew's wife. Um, And I know those who read your book are going to be blessed by those as well. Would you like to make any comments about those particular devotionals? Uh, Yes, I would. I, you know, I love those girls so much. Sarah, my daughter, and Erica, my daughter-in-law. Uh, One of the things that, one of the scriptures that the Lord gave me way before our grief journey ever began, it was a scripture that jumped off the page at me. It's 1 Peter 4, 8 that says, above all else, love each other deeply. To finish the verse, it says, because love covers a multitude of sin. Mm -hmm. When when this journey came, when death came knocking to our door, There are many people that have different grief situations. You know, we don't have any children still at home that we had to help nourish through grief like you and many others. However, we had a daughter-in-law with two children. Yes. And while her parents love her very much, they live six hours away. Mm. We were thrust into something as a family that was sink or swim. You sink or you swim. Mm -hmm. We were faced with a journey. We were faced with a choice. You can isolate and make your grief above another, or you can, above all else, love each other deeply. Mm, And one of the greatest 
blessings of my grief journey is the way the Lord took that scripture and he made it a part of our lives because you got a 28-year-old young woman who lost her husband, the love of her life. You have two children who no longer have a father. You have a grieving sister and grieving niece. niece. You know, my, my niece was very, she was the oldest. She was the very much aware. And then you've got a grieving mom and dad. How do you handle all of that grief and still love each other? Yes. And I I feel so wonderfully blessed. It was hard. I don't even know. It was supernatural. But God took that verse and he made it a model to our family. And somehow we supported one another above all else, loved each other deeply. And these two devotions that these girls wrote, I approached them and I said, you know, I'd like to have your perspective. I want Sarah, do you, you write, you know, your perspective from a grieving sibling. You know, siblings are considered the forgotten mourner. Yes. You know, you, yes. you know that. Oh, yes. And then I wanted Erica to write her perspective from the grieving spouse. You know, mm-hmm. a 28-year-old widow is not common. Right. You, know, you don't have too many 28-year-old widows. And so mm-hmm. it was it was a blessing beyond measure that they said, yes, we would be honored to contribute to this book. So those devotions that those girls wrote mean more to me than the words on the page mm. because it, it is a living example of us choosing to, above all else, love each other deeply. Mm. That's what I wanted to say about that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that. So how can folks get connected with you? I know you have a website that has some good stuff on it. I know you do some mentoring. How can people get your book? Tell us tell us that kind of thing. Well, you can find me. Uh, my website is called The Grief Mentor, and uh, that's my website, thegriefmentor.com. On the website, you'll find some resources, um, a, a, a grief survival guide that I feel like the Lord gave me. It's just a quick read. It's the foundation basic steps of what the Lord showed me was foundational to my grieving experience. And then the book is available. Uh, my journey, my, uh, my full story of our journey is available on my website. Uh, just go to the shop button and there is the book in digital form if you prefer to read it digitally. Uh, and then you can also purchase the book in the soft cover. And then you can also uh, purchase the digital version of my story. And then it is also available on Amazon uh, and the link is on my website. So if you you can purchase it on my website uh, or you can just go to the link on Amazon and purchase it there. And then I have Instagram and um, Facebook and it's it's at it's just called at Grief Mentor. And then on Facebook, it's Teresa Davis. And I share, you know, I share my grief journey. I share things that the Lord puts on my heart. And I also have recently started, uh, I do have a TikTok account. And I've recently started sharing my journey there and sharing my testimony there. So um, if you like little snippets, um, you can go there and find some of those that um, that um, are recorded there. And then... Um, 
I like to teach the Word of God. And so I have a YouTube channel, and it's at Teresa. It's called, it's Teresa Davis, but it's also under the Grief Mentor. And all the videos that I've done since the very beginning of my journey are recorded there. And um, the Lord speaks to me through scripture about grief, and I convey that to you. I want people to be able to find strength in those words that God gives me. So that's that's basically what I do. I don't I don't have any groups or anything like that, but I do share a lot through video teaching of the Word of God. Well, sure, and I could put links to all of those things in the show notes so people can look those things up and find you a little bit more easily. Well, thank you, right. thank you. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add before we go? No, I, you've been very gracious. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to to share my heart in my journey with people that I know that are hurting and need Jesus so badly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I appreciate your honesty about the struggles that you've had and the and and being willing to share what a dark place you went to and how God has redeemed that and restored you from that. Um, I think there are so many grieving parents that find themselves there and just don't know what to do, and and they're scared, like you were. And uh, I think you've given them hope that um, there is healing from that, and there is a way out from that, and it's it's leaning on Jesus and uh, putting yourself in that position to hear from Him, listening to the Bible app if that's all you could do, listening to praise music. Um, you've got to. You've got to put yourself where you can hear from him. And uh, I think I think the things that you had to share today is, are going to be very helpful for people who find themselves in that kind of position. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. And I, I pray, and I'm going to pray for your listeners, um, that that something they hear on this podcast will give them hope and belief that they have a future that God promises us in Jeremiah. Yes, living without our children is devastating, but we still have a future that God has planned for us. Well, thank you so much, Teresa, for coming on. I appreciate you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.